In this episode, we are talking with Jim Etro, who is going to discuss the intersection of AI and turf grass management. Thank you for joining us, Jim. Oh, my pleasure. Um, thanks for the invitation to do this. Absolutely. So before I have you introduce yourself, I, I have an, a bit of an icebreaker. I ask ChatGPT to compose a haiku about turf grass management and AI. <laughs> and okay. this was this was her response. Green fields thrive with care. AI guides, nurtures, and learns. Turf's perfect embrace. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> but it did it did there was one extremely important word in the middle of all that, and it was learns. So, I guess my, I, I don't know how AI is viewed by the by a large group of people, or any group of people for that matter, because uh, everyone uses the word all the time. But uh, uh, artificial intelligence implies that it's it made up or not real, you know, kind of like artificial grass. Uh, right. It's not the not the real stuff, but in fact artificial intelligence is really automated intelligence or augmented intelligence um, augmented by the computer which you can teach uh, with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of data uh, to give to tell you results and find the intersection of information that uh, you may not have picked up yourself unless you went into a deep deep trance so um, that, that's an introduction, I guess, to what I believe artificial intelligence is. It's learning and seeing the results of what, what the computer was told to learn. Welcome to the I Am Not a Robot podcast, introducing your host, Dr. Jeremy Ray. In this podcast, we will be exploring the complexities of life with robots and automation. AI has made transformational advancements in recent years and is capable of performing a wide range of tasks that were once exclusive to humans. It is important to recognize that AI and humans possess different strengths and limitations. But what are those strengths and limitations? Please join us as we explore these important questions of our age. I uh, started a, a career um, of being in the Navy. Uh, Naval Academy was I graduated from. Uh, went into the fleet. Uh, spent about total twenty eight years, including my Naval Academy time, uh, as a naval officer. With my specialty being in meteorology, oceanography, and hydrography, uh, in particular map making making sorts of things. Um, when I retired from the Navy, I went into industry and did work for the Naval Research Lab uh, and NOAA uh, to and uh, also the Naval Air Systems Command, bringing uh, my approach to how meteorology and oceanography needed to be uh, incorporated into 
uh, weapon systems and uh, processes that the, the Navy uses to sail ships, find submarines, uh, uh, and may I say drop bombs on bad people. So uh, I gained, I, I first was exposed to uh, an unmanned aerial aircraft and started playing with uh, military uses for that and then realized Gee, it'd probably be a lot more fun to take a serious look at agriculture with this and stumbled my way through things for several years uh, until about uh, in 2009 um, my uh, business partner and I crashed our our only drone in a vineyard uh, while we were doing some work uh, and realized we're, we're screwed except uh, the camera survived we mounted them up on a on a pole, uh, refitted a snap-on tool truck to carry all our stuff all over the place, and uh, learned that sitting and staring at things is really important because there's a lot more data, a lot more information, and uh, got sucked into uh, turf management by uh, the superintendent of a very famous golf course, um, and have been doing turf and doing uh, agriculture, in particular vineyards, uh, for the past uh, oh, 10 or 12 years. And when I say doing, I guess I mean the remote sensing that generates the data that leads to indices and information to help people uh, apply their cultivation practices. So since you discussed that, can you talk a little bit more about um, what what exactly um, you're sensing and what, what types of um, indicators you're, you're looking for um, as it relates to, uh, you know, the weather and other factors um, that need to be monitored and how that data uh, is important? Sure. Um, so... What I'm measuring, or what a, the system measures, is the, the canopy or the, the leaves of, and let's just, I'll stick to turf grass. Uh, the, that grass mat that, uh, that you walk on, that you see, that you, that you play on. Uh, it's measuring the color, and, and that's through a camera that looks in the visual band. So basically what your eyes see. And because it's digital, uh, every single one of those pictures, or rather pixels, in, in the image has a color in it. Uh, and I, I use the U, which is uh, another way of examining color. Uh, it's, a, it, it's like a, a U color wheel uh, between about uh, 50 and 140 is the color green. and as you go to the lower numbers, it starts to get into the yellows. As you go to the higher number, it starts to get into the blue-greens. So that's one camera. The other camera is a thermographic camera, and it's measuring uh, the temperature uh, of that canopy. Uh, and that is the temperature um, of the actual canopy itself, uh, and that's in the far infrared band uh, that it's examining those things. So those are two really important uh, 
things uh, to, to be able to evaluate. First of all, in the case of the color, uh, you can look at the grass in front of your house or on a, on a uh, sports field and you see it going towards yellow and, and the first question you're going to ask yourself is, gee, what's, it doesn't look right. It's not healthy. All the grass I've ever seen is green. Um, and I just snuck in the start of thinking about augmented intelligence or automated intelligence. We've trained ourselves to know that green is what grass ought to be. And when it starts going towards yellow, there's something that's not right. Uh, maybe it needs some fertilizer. Uh, let's leave it at that. Maybe it needs fertilizer. Those are things that we know. Um, in the case of the temperature, uh, that become, that's very interesting. Um, the, the temperature is a function of the, the environment around it. Uh, this is the biotic temperature now, uh, or the temperature of the leaf. It's a function of the air temperature, the humidity, the amount of solar radiation that's, that's uh, bouncing on it, you know, how much sunlight is cooking it, uh, and photosynthesis uh, or transpiration, which is uh, one of the byproducts of uh, photosynthesis is, and it's a waste that goes out through the stoma, uh, is water vapor. And just like uh, your sweat cools your skin, the water vapor cools the, the plant surface. So you can imagine if photosynthesis isn't at a rate that it needs to be for the plant to, uh, to, to continue to feed itself, uh, the temperature of the leaf is going to rise. And again, another understanding is, uh, you know, another one of these learning things uh, that can be done is that uh, you learn at what temperature, air temperature, humidity temperature uh, is healthy and what's not. And then you can assess, see the plant is being stressed and uh, often it's water or lack of water uh, or it may be disease or a pest that's uh, chewing on it. Uh, now that's also going to impact the color coming back the color because we've got an image with lots and lots and lots and lots of data and we have lots and lots and lots of pictures, we can compute the standard deviation of the color in every single one of those pictures that's in the scene that we're trying to examine. Uh, I said we, really what I mean is the computer uh, does those things and tells me what the standard deviation is. And if the standard deviation is real high, uh, it's telling me that, boy, the grass is just wonky, uh, if you will. The colors are off. Or it may also tell me that uh, there's parts of it that are starting to uh, degrade uh, or not fill in. Uh, one simple example is sports field that has a lot of uh, grassy patches and then not grass and those sorts of things. That impacts the playability of that field. Ball is going to bounce differently when it hits each any one of those uh, players. Cleats may grab differently uh, as they move through the field. So it's an important uh, uh, thing to be able to measure and make an assessment of. And then where does the augmentation come in or the uh, automation is 
organizing that information and telling a person through the through the computer uh, the computer tells a person this is off from where you've told me it always ought to be uh, you need to look at that spot and determine exactly what the, the cause is and then you're able to treat it what's nice about that is that you can get way ahead of the point where you look at it and go oh my gosh the grass is turning yellow uh, I don't know what to do uh, and the whole yard or the whole field is is uh, degraded uh, it'll find these spots very quickly um, and that's in a nutshell what the system does as a result of seeing that data so you talk a lot about the color of the grass um, can you is is the color kind of the single most reliable indicator of the the health and quality of the turf no not 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 really the, the most reliable in my view is the temperature um, the color what the color is is how much a large large part of it is how much chlorophyll is in the leaf and the chlorophyll doesn't degrade instantly or very quickly um, uh, it may go an entire day uh, before even a sensor such as you know using one of these cameras uh, sees it start to fall off uh, you might go day to day to day and see it but what's interesting is and I think more important is the thermal profile of the of the canopy because that is nearly instantaneous um, sun cha sunlight changes and that during the day that's a huge factor um, in uh, adding heat to the canopy that has to be ameliorated by uh, that uh, transpiration. So that's an important one. And there may, for example, only be parts of the day where that becomes really evident. Uh, let's say, usually at the height of the solar um, uh, movement across the sky, uh, it's really banging down on that turf. And if there's uh, perhaps a disease getting started uh, or uh, a pest that's uh, uh, just trying to do its thing. At that point, the, or at that time, the grass may actually light up. And when I say light up, I mean the temperature goes up uh, and you see that. So that's another, uh, that's an important indicator to catch things very early in what's going on. Um, Lots of other instances of, of why that temperature uh, is so important. Um, for example, turf grass uh, at, a, at about, and this is the types of grass that we grow mainly around here and up further north, called cool season grass. It, when the, the temperature of that canopy reaches about 88 degrees, photosynthesis nearly shuts down. It, it, it just won't work. And then when it hits about 90, 95 degrees, not only has it been shut down, but now it starts to poison itself. So that temperature is a real important thing. Now, maybe you've been on some golf courses where they, and I should also say that respiration, which is using the carbohydrates that the plant made, 
uh, is going to get consumed at a higher rate as well. So basically, the plant's eating itself at 88 degrees. Um, so what some golf courses do on high-value greens, uh, they put a lot of effort to make that grass really short, really playable, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, and so they'll put a fan on it that'll sweep across and, and that fan breeze, just like a fan breeze cools your skin, will cool the turf for a, the period of time that the breeze is sitting on it. Um, it's, a, it, it's important to know, first of all, when that temperature is going to occur and a system such as this can do that. But it's also useful to know just how long that temperature gets back down because the turf can survive uh, three or four hours a, a day during the sunlit part of the day, uh, not photosynthesizing. It'll still have made enough carbohydrates to keep the roots healthy, uh, keep the, the canopy healthy. Uh, but you start getting into much longer periods, and I mean integrated time, not four hours uh, in or three or four hours in, uh, you know, all at once. Uh, you get much above that, and now the grass is really eating itself up. And there might be other other measures that you want to take. One of them could be uh, spritzing water on it, called syringing. Uh, another may be just increasing the the uh, the temperature a little bit, or rather uh, increasing the, the irrigation uh, a little bit, a hundredth of an inch or more, uh, to, to just make more water available to move through the plant. Um, another technique, which is not really great for greens, is uh, increase the height of the cut so that the, the grass puts a little shade on itself. Um, I didn't mention it, but shade is a huge factor in this you know, uh, reducing the impact of the sun. Too much shade, which is most people, most people concentrate on that, sh cuts short or doesn't allow enough photosynthesis. But a little bit of shade uh, goes a long way, is the best way to put it. That makes sense. So I just said a bunch of things that are learned. A person learned those things. Um, people have taught me those things. The, the key, in my view, of this AI is that you're able to apply your knowledge, the things that you've learned, to ask the computer to, to, to find those relationships. Now, the step that goes even further, which to me is really exciting, is to turn the computer loose to find statistical relationships that I may not have thought of. Or person may not thought of um, you know a good example as an old weather guesser uh, and most sailors know that that, that saying uh, red sky at night sailors delight red sky in morning sailor take warning that's uh, that's AI uh, now it's several millennia old but it's still AI you know person learned through the ages that when there was a red sky at night, next day was going to be wonderful, um, almost always. Uh, now, numer with numerical modeling and computers and all those things, we've gone way, way past that to try and come up with uh, weather forecasts. Uh, there's some statistics in it, uh, there's physics in it, but 
you know, we were able to use a computer to find all these relationships that should be looked at very closely. Back to the turf grass case, notice I didn't say anything about wind. I didn't say anything about um, uh, uh, UV radiation, um, uh, the pressure. Uh, those might be tertiary uh, effects. In fact, they are tertiary effects. Um, what to me would be exciting is to really explore the, the impact of that against stress. Uh, that there's a, you know, there's the excitement about using computers to be able to draw out those types of things. So. It, when you first uh, started talking, you mentioned uh, briefly uh, you were discussing about drones, and I was wondering if you could tell me about the use of drones uh, with turf grass management. Yeah, certainly. Um, I'm. I, I'll start with saying I'm. I'm not a huge advocate. I'm not a, an advocate of drones for turf grass um, or agriculture, except for some very specific cases. Um, the, the issue with a drone is you got to fly it. You got to have somebody fly it. So, you know, there's an, a cost right off the bat every time the thing's in the air. The other thing I've learned over the, through the crash of my own drone was that uh, things, agriculture, plants, change minute to minute and you could take a picture which is what a drone and, and a satellite does today they take a picture at a specific time uh, they may do it at that same time every day or once a week but it's it's a snapshot and it's unreliable it's not really what is there now it works great for mapping roads Matching, uh, mapping the ends of, you know, the edges of uh, fields. Uh, um, it has some value for trying to look at irrigation distribution. Uh, so there are some ways, that, some things you want to use it for, but for managing the plants with, with a cult, applying a cultivation practice, you end up missing, oh, about... Uh, an hour and 50 minutes of the day. I'm sorry, you end up missing about uh, 23 hours and 50 minutes of the day. Uh, and there's a lot that goes on day and night uh, if, if you're trying to understand and manage a crop of grass or a crop of, of wine grapes. So for that reason, do you um, do uh, sensors that are uh, stationary or yes, uh, are those more effective than um, much more effective? Uh, stationary, always staring at the same thing, and and maybe it pan tilts around and it's it it images every uh, my system images every ten minutes. Uh, if I could afford it, I'd I'd probably even go down to two minutes uh, or less, uh, but. Uh, um, every 10 minutes, it's, it's taking the image and making all the measurements of the, uh, of the area that, of interest. Um, now, that 
you know, dependent on the fidelity or the resolution of the cameras uh, can be, in the case of turf grass, one football field or one baseball field or um, a green and some of the fairway uh, or, uh, I don't know, uh, five acres of, of some, uh, some plant, uh, some crop. Uh, so it takes more. And that's the attraction of a drone. Uh, talking to a, to a golf course superintendent yesterday, they tried a drone about two years ago. Um, and he could image his entire golf course in one drone flight. But then it, that's what it was when the, when the drone flew. Uh, he had no idea what it was the next day, the day after. Um, so it, it gets... Uh, it doesn't have that persistence, and persistence is key. I mean, you know that having kids. You gotta. <laughs> yeah, I don't need the That's same right. anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, um, with uh, AI algorithms, um, how do you think um, AI algorithms may be able to assist in predictive analytics and preventing turf grass stress? Uh, especially in changing weather conditions uh, before it's even happened. So um, that becomes a, uh, well, first of all, uh, a good example of an AI algorithm that uh, is at work right now is uh, measuring the temperature of the, the grass surface. And then with the air temperature, at that location, the air temperature, the humidity, and those two factors uh, to come up with a stress index is uh, established. That index then says if a value is greater than 0.55, tell the owner, the user, uh, the responsible person that they need to, there's a water deficit, add more water. Now, part of the learning process is how much more is more water. Uh, it might be um, a tenth of an inch, it might be two tenths of an inch, or in some cases it might be two inches. Um, that part I, I don't think exists yet. Well, I know it doesn't exist uh, for that type of uh, approach. Uh, so then it becomes, all right, wh what are the factors that led to that, um, so that capability exists. But what are the factors that lead to that canopy temperature being what it is? Now, you know we already have numerical weather models that'll tell you what the temperature is, will be, what the humidity will be, what the cloud cover will be. Um, although I'll say that you know how well they perform uh, because in your everyday life, uh, often the weather guesser gets it wrong. Yes, just in fact, just a couple of days ago, they were predicting um, 100% cloud cover on a day that it ended up being one of those crystal clear blue skies. There you go. That's, that, that is, there's a lot that has to be done to try and figure out how God did the things he does. <laughs> uh, um, and that's all I can say about that. But if you could do those things as well, 
Well, you can do those things as well as you can do it. Um, so you have that information. You know that the big determinants on the canopy temperature are the, the temperature of the leaf, which is a function of, is caused by the air temperature, the uh, photosynthesis or the transpiration, uh, the humidity, which actually um, is a, I say humidity, but really I mean dew point depression uh, because uh, that takes into account uh, the spread between uh, how much water is in the air. Uh, the amount of sunlight that's fallen on the plant, uh, and let's leave it at those four factors. So if I could accurately predict those, the four things that lead to a temperature, and if I assume that the plant is healthy, that there's no insects or no um, uh, disease that's causing stress, uh, if I could predict those accurately, I could back out the, that stress value for tomorrow or the next day or the next day. And that's, a, that's an important thing, uh, not so much here on the East Coast where we got plenty of water, but, you know, there's places that uh, they got to keep the well filled or a pond that they use to irrigate out of. And uh, when do you run your pumps so that you have water to be able to irrigate two days later? Uh, it starts to become an issue because it's not an instantaneous like you turn on the tap in your house. Uh, so that, that's a challenge for the, for the AI community. And it's really a challenge to the, the weather guessers um, or the weather guys. And, you know, I would hope IBM has, I know they're trying to get the most accurate forecasts that they can. Uh, I know that NOAA does and all the other international agencies. Uh, but until they can really get that sky cover uh, and a good uh, uh, temperature and dew point forecast, uh, it, it's going to make the, the predictive part of that difficult. But there's ways to get around that to, to a sense. Um, one of the ways that my system works it is it looks at a seven-day trend. And the trend lays down very, very nicely to the, observed, the actual observed weather. So uh, I'm very confident that if I look at a seven-day trend and I have a sense of what the weather was for the last seven days, and I've got the weather forecast, I can say, eh, tomorrow I don't need to think about irrigation or uh, I better be thinking irrigation because it looks like it's going to be hot and dry again tomorrow uh, with a clear sky. Um, and I would think a, a key consideration would be, um, when you're talking about irrigation, would be um, obviously you want to practice uh, conservation of water but but also water is is not free and uh, electricity to run the pumps isn't free uh, fertilizer costs a lot of money so uh, how do you see the um, the role of AI playing in um, water conservation and resource conservation as well as um, the ability to to save uh, save money on all the factors that are in involved in the, uh, the management of the turf? Really important question. Um, and that's what it really all comes down to, uh, is 
how do you affordably or sustainably uh, keep turf or any agricultural crop growing so that people can play on it, eat it, um, uh, you know, so that it does the things that crops need to do. Uh, AI is, is really critical on that. And boy, there's a, a load of ways to get to get at that. Um, the so this case of how much water uh, that's a good question and you're right it costs you know here cost of water is pretty cheap um, unlike you know in, in the southwest where water is very expensive uh, but electricity is expensive there's a cost associated with that and it's not just the cost that you have to pay uh, to the electric company uh, many uh, you know, you, a lot of places has to have to generate their own electricity, um, whether it be you know a gasoline uh, engine that runs a fan, or well, fan is not a great example for water, but uh, a you know to be able to run pumps, you got to have electricity, and you might have to end up making your own. So that that's a big big piece of the expense. Sustainability, of course, is you know, can you afford to offer whatever product you, you have uh, at a price that people will buy it and still pay your bills and, and including, you know, the people that have to make stuff work. So um, you only want to use, back to water, you only want to use the amount of water that, and let's say grass, that the grass says it needs. So back to this simple equation or the simple guide if the stress index is greater than 0.55 add a tenth of an inch irrigation and then don't irrigate until the grass says it needs water again that's different than saying on tuesday thursday and sunday i'm going to apply you know, I'm going to turn the irrigation on. Which is kind of the the traditional way with, uh, like with my sprinkler system. Yes. Uh, it's not smart at all. It just, you know, you set the days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, you set the, you set it for a certain length of time. But there's no regard for how much rain we've had recently or how hot it is or any of those other factors that you were discussing. Well, there are. Uh, now some smart irrigation devices that will take into account that it rained. Now, you need to have a weather station right there that it's taken its, its rain information from. Or I uh, suppose it could use it, it could get it off the internet. Well, here's the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's the, here's the trouble with, uh, you and I live relatively close to each other, right? Yes. Uh, it could be raining at your house, and I don't see a drop of rain. That's true. I mean, I've got, you know, I, I keep track of all the weather around me. Uh, and I know that one day uh, it rained oh, probably close to half an inch at my house. A mile away, it was dry. It never rained. They had clouds. They heard the thunder. They probably saw the lightning, uh, but uh, they didn't get a drop. So... You know, you got to have it right there. Exactly. Uh, 
I'll put a pitch back in for measuring the temperature of the grass because that's the thing that you care about, the grass. You want to know what it is. Um, and the, the weather helps you normalize the values that you're getting, but uh, that temperature of the grass is key. Now, some folks try and do it, not some. The normal practice or the, uh, the universal practice today at trying to get at how much water to add is a thing called using a soil moisture sensor. And the idea is, uh, the wisdom is, that when the soil moisture sensor reaches a, a value, let's just say that the dirt is now uh, at 10% uh, saturation, water it again to get it up to 30%, you know, put down irrigation. Uh, that's a, a great introduction to AI and, and what can go wrong if you're not thinking about what you've trained the system to think through. What it's saying is, I've got this sensor. It's in the ground at this spot. The dirt's getting dry, so I'm going to add water. It's not asking, what's the grass think about that, that to start with. The other thing it's not asking is, what is the moisture level 20 feet from this sensor that's in the ground? You know, it, it's, it could be different. Um, it's, in fact, it's probably different. So uh, that's, you know, the conventional approach to uh, trying to solve the problem that you're talking about when you turn your sprinklers on. Uh, the other thing that I don't care for in that is that not only do you lose water from evaporation, but you lose water uh, due to gravity. It just keeps going down, down, down. And uh, you really, you want to know what can the grass use now. And uh, I think the temperature is the approach to that sort of thing. Uh, that makes so sense. Now, so we've talked a lot about something that doesn't sound at all like AI, but in fact, it's all AI. It's something that was observed and then learned. And what we're using the computers to try and do is to observe it better than we can. You know, the old red sky at night uh, approach. Uh, observe it better than we can with a lot more considerations. And then to put that together in a statistical way to say this is what makes sense. And now pay attention to that. Thank you to the Air Force Strings and solo violinist, Master Sergeant Mark Dorschef, to Epidemic Sound, and to sound engineer Nathan Ray. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Jeremy Ray.